Yahoo Sports has been a leader in fantasy sports for nearly two decades, and it's great to see that they recently introduced Fair Play for Daily Fantasy. Yahoo is helping level the playing field for sports fans with strict contest entry limits and veteran labels for highly experienced players so you know who you're playing against. Yahoo Sports is offering our listeners a special offer. Visit yahoo.com slash daily fantasy and use the promo code ringer, R-I-N-G-E-R, with your next deposit to receive a one-time $50 deposit bonus that's earned over your over time as you play. Plus, first-time depositors will receive a $10 credit to enter contests. So remember, that's promo code RINGER on Yahoo Sports Daily Fantasy. We're also sponsored by Exxon. Refuel with New Synergy Gasoline. Developed in the same Exxon Mobil research lab as F1 Fuels, New Synergy Gasoline has been through and passed some of the most stringent tests ever developed, making it Exxon and Mobil's most tested fuel ever. Synergy Gasoline is engineered with seven key ingredients, including dual detergents to help keep your engine cleaner. New Synergy Gasoline, only available at Exxon and Mobil. Energy lives here. Visit exxon.com or mobile.com, exxon.com or mobil.com for more information. show. My name is Mallory Rubin. I'm the deputy editor of TheRinger.com, an absolutely delightful website that you should visit frequently. Joining me today is Michael Bauman, Ringer staff writer and dear friend. Hello, Michael. Hello. How are you? I'm, I'm building an arc. There's another thunderstorm today. It's going to oh thunderstorm every time we try to record a podcast. It's really hot here and there are terrifying wildfires. Don't talk to me about hot. There are you terrifying to... wildfires. It's scary. You don't get to talk to me about the heat. All right, fine. I won't. It's also lovely and crisp in this pod studio, so Uh I'm fine. And I never spend time outside, so what do I care? Uh, I was enjoying your your podcast last week with our colleague, Ben Lindbergh. I thought it was absolutely wonderful and delightful, but I was so overcome with jealousy, and I just missed you so much, and I had to get right back in here. So here I am. We both like you better than we like each other anyway, so this is... (laughs) Uh, It's great to be back, and uh, we have a lot of trade deadline activity to talk about. Here's our our dilemma, right? We're just going to be honest with the listeners. On the one hand, it's a really busy week in baseball. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. On the other hand, everything we talk about could instantly become outdated, such as the nature of the news cycle and the churn at this time of year. So we're going to we're going to try to keep it pretty crisp today. We don't want to we don't want to devote a ton of time to sort of previewing stuff that may or may not happen. We're going to talk about a few things that are interesting to us right now. And we're also going to be joined by a couple guests because there was a very big trade in baseball yesterday, the New York Yankees sent Aroldis Chapman to the Chicago Cubs. You wrote an absolutely wonderful piece for the ringer.com, which I want to talk about quickly. Uh, but we happen to have Yankee and Cub fans on staff. So we're going to we're going to call we're going to have them call in. We're going to spend a couple minutes talking to Ben Glixman, resident Yankee fan. If only he were the resident Yankee fan. We have more than one, sadly. Uh, and we're going to we're going to spend a few minutes talking to Robert Mays, resident Cubs fan, to get their you know respective perspectives on what this deal means for for their teams. But quickly, I'd love for you to just sort of chat a bit about your piece and some of your takeaways on the deal, because as you as you really thoughtfully explored, this is not necessarily just a straight baseball analysis. There are a lot of complicated issues in play here off the field that make this really tough to talk about. Yeah. So I I really I mean, for obvious reasons, I wish it was a, just a straight baseball deal, but 
it's also a really interesting straight baseball deal because the Cubs gave up so much to get such a good relief pitcher. And the conventional wisdom is, you know, don't spend a ton of money or don't spend a ton of resources on your relievers. Your relievers are fungible, but at the same time, Chapman is a very, very good relief pitcher, the kind of guy who could throw a high leverage inning in pretty much every close playoff game all the way to the World Series. And so not only could Chapman potentially swing a playoff series or you know pitch, pitch that important inning in every single uh, game all the way to the World Series, but we've seen uh, in the past couple of years with the Royals and then with the Giants, the reliable bullpen that that could be the difference between uh, between winning the World Series and not. And the Cubs, with as good a team as they have, with as few weaknesses, as hard as it is to to upgrade elsewhere, this was really the only spot they had left. That said, they gave up a ton. They gave up uh, Glaber Torres, who's a like a top thirty prospect, um, Billy McKinney, who's a um, an interesting sort of top one hundred type prospect who might be a little bit down this year. Plus Adam Warren, who could himself be an interesting bullpen piece for the Yankees. So like it it challenged. These are two types of players: prospects and relief aces, who have very polarizing. Uh, views in terms of their evaluation. Um, so that's really interesting. But on the other hand, and this is like, this is a big thing is Aroldis Chapman was uh, suspended uh, for a domestic violence incident, a particularly nasty one. And all he said is, you know, I used bad judgment. Like he hasn't really owned that and become uh, made, like made any steps to, to sort of make it right, at least in public. And that makes it really uncomfortable you know, should the Cubs be seeking out this kind of guy, this kind of human being? And what do you, what do the fans do? You know, like if you're a Cubs fan, maybe you don't, do you just say, I didn't make this trade? You know, I root for laundry. You know, this is, this is uh, just something you have to deal with. Or do you say, um, you know, I'm, I'm out, you know, I don't want to win the world series if it, if this is what it takes to do it, or do you fall somewhere in between and, you know, I didn't really come down with a hard stance on that because I don't really know the answer. It's just, you know, it's just a, a very strange, uncomfortable situation that that even I don't really know how to deal with. I thought you had a good line in the piece where you said, you know, you were talking about how hard it is to talk about this by saying basically, we've just got to live in a state of limbo, use the word allegedly a lot and feel a little slimy every time Chapman and numerous other athletes like him take the field. So like what, what I liked about that was, you know, highlighting how we, we sort of do turn to this word allegedly like a crutch to, to allow us to talk about something that we're not really sure how to talk about. And also the numerous other athletes part, like you, you, you did a good job in this piece of saying this isn't the first time that baseball has had a problem with this. And unfortunately, it probably won't be the last. We are just in this new era of the league issuing punishments as well. And that makes it even more complicated than it already was to process something like this. Yeah. And that, you know, and I would really just rather the league sort of stay out of jurisprudence. But on the other hand, like the the police tend to do. I mean, domestic violence is a really tough, tough crime to prosecute anyway. So I'm, I'm sympathetic to that, but, you know, making this into a sports issue just sort of makes the whole thing even, even weirder. So, you know, it's, it's a, I, I don't envy Cubs fans having to sort of do that moral calculus of, you know, do I, you know, how much do I support this team? If this is, this is, you know, what it means. And, you know, that's why we're talking to Robert Mays because he has to do that moral calculus. 
That's exactly right. So let's let's check in with Ben and Mays and see what the Yankee and Cubs fans are are thinking. All right, now we're joined by Ringer NFL writer and Chicago Cubs fan Robert Mays, uh, who joins us to talk about the Cubs' end of the Aroldis Chapman trade. How you doing? I'm doing all right. I mean, I'd be better if this wasn't a part of my life. Yeah. Wow. So, so this is, you know, I I, I came out of out of this as this being like a net baseball positive for the Cubs, but obviously there's so much more to it than that. So let's start with. You know, how does this? How are, how are you sort of dealing with having to to root for a Rollis Chapman as a as a Cubs fan? Well, baseball wise, I do think it's a positive. I mean, again, I've fully admitted that I have not been knee deep in the Cubs for the last five years, but I've done my due diligence this year for sure. And it just feels like if they're trying to win it, and if they have the infield setup they have going forward, that it made sense overall from a an emotional standpoint. <sighs> I've been back I've been in Chicago for the first time in years, and part of that has been really being in the rhythms of being a Cubs fan again. I've been to Wrigley you know, 12, 13 times. I watch a lot of the games. And I feel like if they do something special when this is all said and done, it'll have been such an experiential thing for me. I'll have been doing it the entire year. And having this added element to that, I can't help but think that it's going to taint it in some way if this does end up working out the way baseball wise we all wanted to and this is not an unfamiliar situation for chicago sports in general because the the bears had that that awkward uh uh two-month relationship with ray mcdonald and then the patrick kane uh, rape allegations is that like how does this sort of fit in with the experience of chicago fans across all sports I mean, with the difference different between Ray McDonald and this, just in the sense that of the overall profile of the move. You know, the Cubs gave up so much to get Rawls Chapman, and we never thought the Bears would do much last season. But there's a chance the Cubs will be in very high-profile situations, very high-leverage moments that involve Rawls Chapman. I mean, it's you can imagine a scenario in which it's Game Six, Game Seven of the World Series, and Rawls Chapman is on the hill to win the World Series for the Cubs. And I know that my own whatever hangups I have with all of this pales in comparison to what Aroldis Chapman's girlfriend might have been through that night, what a lot of the victims of domestic violence go through. You know, my own inconvenience because of this doesn't matter in that grand scheme, but it still might suck that in a moment that should be pure, unadulterated joy for hundreds of thousands of people that we might have to be dealing with this. Yeah, and that's... You know, just because of the the probability that he's going to be the guy, he's going to be the first guy on the you know, on the World Series DVD, or you know, he's going to be the guy on the on the Tribune front page. You know, if that, you know, we're getting 14 steps uh, ahead of of where we are Absolutely. now. Absolutely, anticipate that. But yeah, that's you know, there, it's it's different. I mean, he's not going to be the focal point of the team by any stretch of the imagination, but it's going to be hard to ignore, certainly. Yeah, I mean, even when there's a guy in the lineup that's up once every nine times, that can come and go in a strange way. If you're watching the game, you know, as you're at that three-hour stretch. But a high-leverage inning, I mean, that the scrutiny on that, both from an emotional level and from a baseball level, that's not going to be hard to miss. That's going to be staring you in the face at every big moment of the playoffs, potentially. And 
it's hard. It's hard to sit there and say, God, I feel so great about what this team I like is about to do when there may be a not-so-good guy doing it. I think it's also tough that like other people in the organization who you might have never had a problem cheering for or celebrating before are suddenly in the, in the position of saying uncomfortable and pleasant things in yeah. an effort to defend a new yeah. teammate. That's like a really are tough you, thing. Like as we're recording this right now, Joe Madden sticking yeah, his exactly. foot in his mouth I'm, about this. I'm watching that on Twitter. Not good. I see. Yeah, yes. I mean, it, it, you add complications to things that I'd rather just weren't there. And again. That's not a real problem, but it does yeah. just suck when you think about in May what this Cub season was building to be and what it could have been. And now it can never be that again. Even if they do win the World Series, this is still going to be something that wasn't there at the beginning. And I still think, again, I think it, I mean, it doesn't necessarily taint it, but it affects it in a negative way. Well, let me let me ask you one one baseball question just to sort of lighten this up a little bit you know how much did the how much does the the prospect haul for this bother you from you know because obviously the cubs gave up a lot and i you know you already said that you think it's a, a good baseball trade uh from the start but you know that is a, a lot to give up for a relief pitcher is this you know if this doesn't work out is that the kind of thing that that uh you know that is going to keep you up nights no, I don't think so. I mean, just based on the amount of young guys in that infield, it'd be hard for it to keep me up nights. Even if he wasn't going to stay at short, so you don't have to worry about the fact that Addison Russell is 17 and already a pretty useful major league player. Yeah. There's a lot of talent in that infield. I mean, I watching Javi Baez every day is one of the more fun things I get to do in my life. So having him, Bryant, and Russell be the future of my world, I'm okay with that even if this goes south. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at too. It's, it's the it's like it's a lot to give up, but the Cubs can can afford to um, can afford to do that. And like you know, how many people who who are talking about this being like a disastrous baseball move can you know can pick Gleyber Torres out of a lineup right now? But you know, obviously that's not not yeah. the whole story. But and it's a bird in the hand sort of deal, right? I mean, again, I. Baseball is newer in my life at this point, but what is Cleaver Torres going to be? Even if he's the best version of what he can be, that's a borderline all-star. And I understand that's a decent amount to give up in a vacuum, but if your borderline all-star can't play, then he can't become a borderline all-star. Yeah. So it's a little easier for me to deal with. All right. Well, thanks for for coming on and, and talking about a very – a very complicated situation from both a baseball and, and an off the field perspective. And, you know, good luck. Uh, good luck going forward. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. I hope I shed a little bit of light on it. It hasn't been a super, it's been a complicated couple of days. That's what I'll say. It's been yeah. tangled. It just sucks is what it does. Yeah. yeah, that's really it. That's really all the, the only way to describe it. All right. Thanks, Robert. Thanks guys. Joining us now, Ringer editor Benjamin Glixman, who's sitting there in our New York office liking the Yankees, just like a real piece of garbage. So, Ben, we wanted to have you on today because your beloved Bronx Bombers made a notable baseball trade yesterday, dealing her oldest Chapman to the Cubs. And we wanted the fan perspective. We wanted to talk to somebody who actually spends every day rooting for this team. 
to sort of go through all of the pros and cons and, you know, see see what people are thinking. So let's just start with your general reactions. Are you happy with the deal? Well, first of all, thanks for that, uh, <laughs> for that very welcoming intro. You're I feel welcome. So, so honored to be on the show. Hey, um, we want you to yeah, feel right no, at my, home. My, yeah, no, you, you really accomplished that in a big way. <laughs> uh, as far as the trade goes, I mean, as a Yankees fan, I'm, I'm pretty pumped about it. It seems like this year they're going nowhere. They're seven and a half back in the division. They're four and a half back in the wild card race. And even though they've sort of played well recently, sort of the the benefit of having a super bullpen is greatly diminished when you can only score one or two runs a game and you're basically trailing by three runs entering the seventh inning most games anyway. Uh, and yeah, they, I mean they got him for for some lower level prospects and got back a top thirty guy in Glaber Torres. So. Uh, so yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about it. For Yankee fans, are, is it just an instant jump right into Glaber Torres as the next Derek Jeter territory, or are you trying to uh, to, to to hold on this to is... some sense of sanity? Uh, I'm trying to hold on to some sense of, uh, of sanity at this point. I mean, Didi has been Didi Gourit has been so good for the Yankees um, this year, uh, which I think coming into this season we knew. Uh, in the fields that he was um, a really skilled shortstop, but his ability to hit this season, especially hit left-handed pitchers, um, I think still has Yankees fans okay with their current major league shortstop and that sort of itching to immediately bring up this this 19-year-old guy who's a high A ball. Yeah, this is something that... For me, from the Yankees' perspective, this is the most interesting thing about the trade is how hyped up can Yankees fans get about Glaber Torres, who's like actually a prospect after talking themselves into Rob Refsnyder turning into <laughs> like an actually decent major league second baseman. So like, is, is there a limit to the, to the hype? Do you think? Uh, once he gets to, once he gets to sort of the, the, the double A and triple A levels, I don't think so. I mean, I'm basically, going home after work and just watching YouTube videos of Aaron Judge <laughs> smashing the ball into the sun. So if, if Glaber Torres gets up to double-A AA or triple-A and is continuing to rake and steal bases, I think the hype will be sort of pretty over the top at that point. Tate, I'd like you to just edit this podcast segment so that we only hear Ben saying if Glaber Torres gets up to double-A, because <laughs> that would really be the, the takeaway that I'd be uh, m- most pleased with. Um, speaking of Tate, Ben, Tate is really Tate is really worried about Didi. Uh, are you gonna are you gonna be able to talk Tate off the ledge here? He's really really concerned about Didi. He's he's Team Didi here. He's tons of value. He's concerned about Didi's future with the Yankees. Yeah, yeah. He's also apparently ready to trade him. He just completely changed his perspective in the last forty five seconds. It was terrifying to witness. Yeah, I was gonna say that was uh, that was different than the impression I got previously. But no, I mean I think. Uh, I think the plan the Yankees are sort of going about of just stockpiling the best talent and, and stockpiling shortstops. I feel like um, we've sort of seen this with with a number of organizations, but most recently with the Astros calling up Alex Bregman at third base and giving him some time in left field over the past couple couple AAA games uh, is sort of a good blueprint as far as I think the Yankees are basically, if, if you're going to stockpile one position, shortstop's not a, a bad position to do it. You can move guys to second. You can move guys to third. Chase Headley's obviously not the long-term solution there. Um, and, yeah, if, if you need to 
give them some cracks in the outfields. We've seen Chris Bryant do it. Uh, like I said with Bregman, I think he'll get some some outfield reps in Houston. So I don't I don't think this necessarily means the end of Edie in New York. Yeah, I mean, stockpiling shortstops is what allowed the Cubs to make this deal in the first place. So I, I think that's a good point. Exactly. Well, exactly. What about what about the people who weren't actually a part of this deal? Where are you with Andrew Miller? Where are you with Carlos Beltran? Are you in full sell mode? Do you want to see the Yankees like completely reset here, or are you hoping that they find a way to uh, keep Miller around? Yeah. So my feeling, the only other guy I think they absolutely have to sell is Beltran. I think. His stock is never going to be higher. Like I said, as as much as the past past ten games or so have been encouraging for the Yankees, they sort of have a habit of going on these streaks and then scoring one run over the next two weeks. So I, I really don't see them making a a big playoff push here. So I think Beltran needs to be traded for sure. Um, for the other guys, it really is all dependent on the deal. If it, it was reported that this is basically off the table at this point, and the Chapman move would sort of lend credence to that. But if they could have gotten a guy like Kyle Schwarber in return for Andrew Miller, I would have 100% been for it. But obviously I'm not sort of itching for them to trade him no matter what. I think the the deal has to warrant it with him as opposed to Beltran, who I think they, they really need to make sure a deal happens. I don't think the Yankees are going to trade Andrew Miller, but I really want them to because I love him. He's one of my favorite baseball players, and I hate the fact that he's a Yankee because it makes it really hard to root for him. So selfishly, I'm uh, I'm hoping that they that they ship him out of town. Anything else that you'd like to add, Ben? Anything else that you'd like to ask, Michael? Uh, no, this is just hilarious. Didi, <laughs> Yankees fans talking about Didi Gregorius is <laughs> is always funny to me. So I've just enjoyed this as a spectator. Likewise, he's the greatest. Oh he's God! Oh God! All right, you're done. I'm, I'm you're done. <laughs> you're you're cut off. Goodbye. Sorry, Ben. You're breaking up. Ben, you're you're, you're breaking uh, up. We we can't we can't uh, hear you. Thanks for making the time. Uh, <laughs> thanks, guys. We're gonna take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Stop compromising on your shave and get started with Harry's. For far too long, you've either paid too much for a comfortable shave or you've settled for a low price but low quality razor. Harry's offers something you've never had before, a great shave at a fair price. Harry's makes its own high quality razors, cuts out the middleman, and ships them directly to you for half the price of the leading brand. Good shave, good price. It's simple. Get the best of both with Harry's. Harry's makes just one razor with all you need for a close, comfortable shave. Five German-crafted blades, flex hinge, and lubricating strip. Quality is guaranteed, the full refund if you're not happy. I find that getting the razors in the mail takes a lot of the aggravation out of having to to go to the store and purchase the razors. They're great quality blades. It's a close shave, easy to use, uh, totally worth the money. Harry's starter set called the Truman is a great option for new customers and an amazing deal. For just $15, you get a razor handle, moisturizing shave cream, and three of Harry's five-blade German-engineered razors. Plus, there's a special offer for fans of the show. Harry's will give you $5 off your first purchase with promo code MLB. Go to harrys.com right now and look for the Truman set. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com. Enter code MLB at checkout to get $5 off and help support the show. Stop compromising. Give Harry's a try today. We're also sponsored by Exxon. Introducing new Synergy Gasoline, Exxon and Mobil's most tested fuel ever. It's been through and passed some of the most stringent tests ever developed. 
Developed in the same ExxonMobil research lab as F1 Fuels, our Synergy gasoline is engineered by chemists who understand the science behind keeping engines clean and know the complexities of modern car technology. That's why it's formulated to keep modern fuel injectors clean while still working great on older engines. New Synergy is also engineered with seven key ingredients, each with its own unique function to help make Synergy Exxon and Mobil's best fuel ever, in- including dual detergents to help clean your engine and cr- a corrosion inhibitor designed to help prevent rust from threatening your engine and its performance. Refuel with new Synergy gasoline today, only available at the almost 11,000 Exxon and Mobil stations across the U.S. Energy lives here. Visit exxon.com, E-X-X-O-N.com, or mobile.com, M-O-B-I-L.com, for more information. All right, Michael, that was illuminating. Let's uh, let's talk about some teams and players other than the ones involved in this deal, because there's a there's a lot of uh, a lot of scuttlebutt out there, a lot of whispers, a lot of rumors still circulating, and thought it'd be fun to just kind of do a couple like broad questions that would allow us to, you know, in theory, each give very different answers, but probably in practice, both say the exact same thing as we tend to do often. Um, Let's start with our respective picks for the best player team pairing that seems like it might come together. Who's, Who's your who's your choice? Okay, I'm going to go with Chris Sale, who, you know, obvious his baseball assets are obvious and who's um tenure in in Chicago is becoming more and more awkward by the day and I think he would be a good fit for any one of of numerous jobs um top chef knife sharpener well you know he could reunite the scissor sisters the American (laughs) pop band and and sing alongside Jake Shears or he could star in a remake of the uh the cult cycling classic breaking away as the leader of the cutter cycling team (laughs) Or he could go on tour with uh, with folk uh, folk musician Yusuf Islam singing his uh, his international hit. The first cut is the deepest. <laughs> or you know, I know you know I, my wife is very into to sewing and and quilting, and she's got all sorts of interesting fabric cutting tools. So I think you know an R and D role or maybe a, a pitchman role with Joanne Fabrics could be a oh, man. Uh, could be in the future. That's um, a good one. <laughs> Now, they, they've got like all sorts of crazy they've got like a pizza cutter for for fabric it's insane the stuff that they come up with do they have celebrity endorsers i it, you know i've now's this, the time I've, I've got i've got strong opinions on baseball and celebrity endorsements like how is mike trout a pitch man for a sandwich company and it's not jersey mike's <sighs> like this makes me furious <laughs> subway got to him first oh, so man. i think that Joanne Fabrics could really, uh, you know, really boost their business um, in in uh, and you know burst into unexplored markets by by signing up uh, Chris Sale to endorse their products. But we'd like to the, thank today's sponsor, Joanne Fabrics. Yeah, for, in the <laughs> it's the only one I could name, the only uh, uh, craft company I could name. So, but in the in the sphere of baseball, I think he makes a great fit for the Boston Red Sox, and I think the. A similar situation to the Cubs, where they're um, they have a team without a whole lot of weaknesses, and they've got a great farm system at the same time. So, like, if they're going to make a move, then they just ought to go all in. Like, if you know, maybe you try not to lose both Andrew Benatendi and Yohan Mankata, but you know, Dave Dombrowski is the kind of 
uh, general manager or team president right now who has shown zero hesitation in letting tomorrow take care of itself when the time is right. So, you know, I think the time is right right now. And I think that they've got the pieces. Uh, they're one of very few teams with a need for Chris Sale and the the pieces to go get him. So I think the the jersey cutting incident has thrown his his trade value sort of in the limbo, but I don't think the Red Sox should, you know, maybe, you know, maybe they should get him safety scissors or something like that. And and scraps of fabric to play with off on his own. But I just, he's, he's exact. I mean, they, they're all the time. Red Sox fans and media are griping about, we don't have enough reliable starting pitching. You know, we spent all this money on David price and he's just sort of mediocre. And you know, the, the best pitcher in the American league is, is just sitting out there. So go get him. That's what I think. Do you think that there's, any way they could pull off that deal without giving up one of the top two prospects or is that impossible i don't know who knows um i mean if listen if glaber torres got dealt for a reliever and sale is under team control for longer for you'll probably cost less year over year than than chapman does um then you you probably got to give one of them up but at the same time like who gives a crap you know this is these are minor leaguers and this is Chris sale. Like what are they going to turn out to be better than Chris sale? Great point. Great point. And Um, like, I don't know this prospect hug and like the Michael Kopech, the, the kid who, who punched his teammate and then got suspended for PEDs and is now suddenly throwing 105 miles an hour. And Red Sox fans are like, no, let's not give him a screw you. There's no way he's going to turn out to be better and more useful in a situation where you know you're going to need him than Chris Sale. Like, you, you give up whatever you need to to get him. I agree. Uh, I really hope that doesn't happen. It's terrifying to think of Chris Sale and the Red Sox as a fan of a division rival team. That makes me want to weep. Uh, my pick, and I'm, I'm you know, I know that you are going to agree, is Jonathan Lucroy to the Cleveland Indians. Uh, I can't wait for him to get out of Milwaukee and there are you know a few different potential landing spots that make good to perfect sense there's a lot of uh, stuff out there linking him to the Mets potentially there's a lot of stuff linking him to the Rangers but the the Indians seem like the the real perfect pairing um they need him the most you know Jan Gomes he's currently out with a shoulder injury and and when he was playing he was so bad that he had to sacrifice a chicken to the baseball guys in order to attempt to break out of his slump like this is not a team that's getting a lot of production out of its catcher slot right now but they're five and a half games up in the central that's like a decent lead but not a not that's not a guarantee you know they they have to protect that lead they have to work hard to protect it they obviously need outfield help as well but you know as Ben Lindbergh wrote on the ringer last week LaCroix is arguably the top prize at the deadline admittedly this was before the the sale talk picked up but certainly of the bats he could be the top prize and you know that that essentially boils down to He's really good and he's pretty cheap, you know, and he, he's even more valuable than he otherwise would be on based on pure skill alone because of the position that he plays. So if the Indians are confident in his health and they have what the, the Brewers are looking for, there's really no reason that they shouldn't try to make this happen unless they think that they need to focus more on finding an outfielder. Um, before we move on, I just want to say quickly that the Mets role in all of this is priceless and hilarious and i would like to quote ringer colleague sam shuby who said to me via slack it's so mets to just offer darren odds straight up 
here is a worse catcher. Yeah, right. <laughs> we'll just see you the, a worse catcher. That's the it's priceless. What do you think? My, my, that's my favorite trade offer so far this season. I mean, I mean, it's something out of a, it's, I mean, you've played fantasy baseball against me. You, you know, that's something out of a fantasy baseball league. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's like the Rockies, you know, going to the angels and saying, all right, we know you're, you're not quite ready to give up Mike Trout, but what if we gave you Charlie Blackman? Yeah. <laughs> cool. I mean, it's not, I think that's selling Darnold a little short, but he can't stay healthy. Yeah. I mean, ta- talent only means so much when you cannot stay on the field. Also, Charlie That's... Blackman's all right. Yeah, he's okay. <laughs> what do you think? LaCroix to the Indians? Um, I think that would be the single biggest upgrade at any single position that a contender could make. I think it's a very good time to be the Brewers right now because they've got probably the best player on the trade market, depending on uh, how on the trade market sale is. And they're, I mean, not just the Indians and the Mets, but I think the Rangers could upgrade a catcher uh, if they will, depending on how they feel about Robinson Chirinos. Um, it's a, it's a seller's market for Lucroy right now to the point where, like, at some point in the next five or six days, it's gonna, they're just gonna, they're gonna get an offer that, um, that's gonna push it over the top. All right, let's move on to our next topic, which is the guy everyone thinks will move but we don't actually think will move and so we need we need to issue an obvious caveat here which is that this stuff is totally unpredictable and there's no actual and consensus by the way. right so. for sure for sure so this is a you know on the one hand a, a bit of a foolish exercise on the other hand i think we're gonna have a lot of fun um you know about i'd say as recently as a week ago certainly a couple weeks ago the, the main narrative was this is going to be a quiet deadline. It's a weak free agent class. There weren't a lot of elite, you know, top caliber players who looked like they were going to be on the move. Look at how much activity we've already seen. Now we're seeing guys like, you know, superstars like Sale being floated. So so the, the, the general, like, picture has shifted pretty considerably and could again. But as you know, even even though there's not a consensus, as you just said, there are like these headlines that kind of take hold and take root on Twitter and these talking points that you hear over and over again. So whatever is the closest thing that resembles a consensus, let's operate against that. Who is the guy that a lot of people think will move who you do not think will move? I think it's going to be Wade Miley. Um, There's been a lot of chatter about him being on the move and I don't really get it. I think, I mean, I wrote about this the other day that the Mariners, despite being at best on the fringes of the playoff race, don't really have a a whole lot of um, incentive to sell. And, you know, Miley is, you know, he's, he's almost 30 and he's been, uh, or he's had a, a 523 ERA this year. And if you look at his baseball reference page, do yourself a favor and go do that. Um, because his photo looks like, a drunken, depressed uh, backup musician for Modest Mouse. Like he's got the thousand yard stare of a man with a 523 ERA in that photo. But, you know, uh, until recently, he's been a guy who could throw 200 league average innings. And that's he's under under team control for another two years past this. And the Mariners could absolutely use him next year. So unless they get knocked over, I don't. I don't know what the rush is. I mean, if they if they get the Godfather offer for Wade Miley, um, which <laughs> You know, pitching being what it is, I still don't know which contender is going to shell out a ton of, you know, a ton of prospects or young talent to 
to get a guy who has a 77 ERA plus this year. I just don't think that I don't think the timing is right. He's not pitching well enough right now to make him attractive to a team down the stretch. And I think the Mariners have uh, quite a bit of use for him in the long run. Interesting. Very interesting. I uh, can't really focus on our discussion now because I'm just looking at his baseball reference photo. So <laughs> thanks for that. It's so sad. <laughs> um, my pick is I, I could look very stupid. This probably will happen and uh, I'm going to I'm going to seem dumb, but I'm going with Jay Bruce because I don't know, man, call it a feeling, call it a gut feeling. But I just don't think it's going to happen. This is one of the ones that's been closest to foregone conclusion level for almost the entire season. I mean, even uh, in the in the preseason in February, he was a part of a lot of uh, trade rumors and Last season, he was a part of a lot, a lot of trade rumors. It, it seemed like he was definitely going to move last year as well, and then he didn't. And I'm just not sure it's going to happen this year again either because the market really seems to be shrinking in a way that leaves sort of an absence of clear suitors and clear, like, strong fits. You know, he's having a great good to great offensive season by his recent standards. You know, 77 RBI, 20-plus homers. But... His defense remains horrid. I mean, considering what he's doing in the power department, the fact that he's like basically still a replacement level player is pretty notable. You know, he's giving you one tool. So who's going to give up a lot to get one tool? I mean, we just talked about the Indians who desperately need an outfielder because of the Brantley mess, but they're not going to prioritize a guy like Bruce over LaCroix. There's no way, right? That would be crazy. And Bruce has been linked to the Dodgers recently, but I, I don't know. It's just like wild to me to think that a team that was overshadowed for so long by the too many outfielders headlines would go right back there again. Now the caveat there is that if they are actually serious about moving Puig for a pitcher, then there's one less body, but I don't know. I think like you can, a team that needs an outfield, an outfielder can deal for someone like Josh Reddick who would be cheaper or go all in and try to get someone like cargo. Who's a lot better. So how big is the market for that middle ground? Yeah, and the just the need is particularly for a corner guy who might be closer to a DH at this point in his career. It's it's just easier to fill a hole. Like every team needs pretty much every team needs another starting pitcher. Um, not as many teams need another corner outfielder who needs to have a defensive caddy. And the I mean the Reds are in a position right now. They got a pretty affordable option on them um, for next season. So if they want to just let it ride and try to move him in the off season. I think honestly, I think that's, what's going to happen with sale too, is just, they're going to check out and, and try to deal them uh, when heads are cooler. And I think, you know, the, the reds are not in a position where they need to trade Bruce right now. All right, Michael, what about the other side of it? Who's the guy that no one thinks is going to move, but you think might. I'm going a little off the board here, and I think this guy's team is poised to make a trade and has a lot to deal from. Um, I'm going to say my dark horse to move at this deadline is Nomar Mazzara. Whoa, um, your yeah, boy. My boy. Um, I think the the Rangers sort of outfield first base DH uh, logjam got a little less jammed up now that Prince Fielder's out for the season, but they've – they could trade Mazzara and still go with Chu and Rua and uh, in the outfield corners have Mitch Moreland um, uh, play first base on some sort of platoon basis with Jerks and Profar and have and call up Joey Gallo to DH. And I think that the there's a scenario in which in a 
in a trade for someone like Luke Roy or Sale that they require the other team requires one of the the twin towers of, of Mazzara and Gallo, and you get more value from Mazzara because I because he's more polished now and sort of a higher floor player, but Gallo's just got so much upside with that power. Like the the ultimate um the ultimate ceiling for Gallo between his ability, at least for now, to play third base and just that top end power. He doesn't have to hit for a lot of average to be a really valuable player. And I think the Rangers, if they could get more for Mazzara than Gallo, might be inclined to move him um, and bet on Gallo's higher upside. So I think that's a, a scenario. It's it's a little bit off the board. And to say nothing, the Rangers are, are so... Um, they're they're starting to take a creative approach to pitching. Like they they were apparently interested in Vincent Velasquez from the Phillies, who in terms of of performance now and youth and upside and uh, and team control is the guy. You know, you would have to trade somebody of that caliber in order to uh, um, in order to get Velasquez or you know whatever pre arb uh, number three starter you want to you want to go after. So I think the the Rangers have. Mazar is part of a, an area of strength that they could deal from. And I don't know that, I mean, the, the Mazar versus Gallo debate is in terms of who's more valuable. You could still talk yourself into Gallo, even though Mazar has been more successful at the big league level. So if he gets you more then I wouldn't be afraid to make that trade. I'd be really grateful if the Rangers did something that opened up a spot for Gallo, because that would really help. It'd be a lot of fun. My AL only keeper team. Okay. Where he is currently stuck in the minor league part of my roster. Shout out to Jeff Chow, my co-manager. If you're listening, he knows the struggle. He knows the struggle. Um, Michael, my my pick is someone who could potentially be on the other side of the deal that landed a player like Mazzara, and that is Chris Archer. Uh, his when his name started bubbling up about a week ago in a, a, a Dodger centric rumor, I, it was one of my real like no fucking way reactions to a tweet in a long time, and I think a lot of people reacted similarly. Like this can't be real. The Rays would not seriously consider dealing this guy. He is under team control through 2021. And as we've said on prior podcasts, even in what is a down year by his standards, he's still leading the AL in strikeouts. Like, who who wouldn't want to hang on to a player like that? But the more I think about it, the more I think the, the Rays might do this. I mean, it's, it's certainly more likely. They would obviously, I think it's safe to say, prefer to deal someone like Matt Moore or Jake Odorizzi and keep Archer and, and keep him as a cornerstone and build a team around him. But if other teams are saying it's Archer or bust – they might do this. I mean, I think there's a chance that the Rays go into full fire sale mode and, and maybe even shop someone like Evan Longoria. They're 20 games back. It's time to start thinking about not only next year, but the year after that and the year after that. So, you know, it, it was interesting to hear you go through all the, all the Rangers prospects there because I think the Rangers have been uh, looking like maybe the right destination for a guy like Archer. And he would be an incredible boon for them. Do you, do you think that they would have to give up Profar in a deal or, or not necessarily? I think I think Profar at this point is a less valuable trade asset than Gallo or Mazzara uh, because he's got so little service time left. Um, even if he he might be the best player uh, going forward, I think 
I think Archer would require at least one of Pro Farmazara and Gallo and maybe somebody like Lewis Brinston or yeah. Lewis Brinston or Dylan Tate too. So like this this would be a scenario where like the the Archer Mazara trade would probably be Archer for Mazara and right particularly because the the Rays like the Rays are in a position right now where that that entire pitching staff is all underachieving at once and they're all young and and still cost controlled. Yeah. So they could just roll this back next year and try again. True. It's but it's such a weak pitching market that if a team like the Rangers is willing to put together a package like that, I mean that's the thing, right? It seems yeah. insane. Yeah. It's like no, why would they trade Chris Archer? But then if you think about it, if he's actually one of the, you know, the 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 guys who a team is at least saying, "Well, we'll listen. You're going to have to wow us, but we'll listen. Maybe maybe someone wows them and maybe they do it." Yeah. And I mean that's that's the thing. If I were running the Rays, I would be listening to offers but i'd make somebody blow me away right what about you know the other person i considered saying for this where are you on wade davis right now do you think the royals are going to move him i don't know what's his uh his contract status right now i just i just never assumed that uh it like it never occurred to me that they might that they might get rid of him i you know i they've got a team option on him for next year and they're in a position where like they're they're not so far out of it that uh that they couldn't roll back the the same team pretty much and and try again next year in which case Wade Davis would be extremely valuable but on the other hand the Royals have you know they've been so good because they haven't had to go empty the farm system for somebody like Aroldis Chapman like they could just create the next Wade Davis the same way they created the last one uh or so you imagine so I don't know I you know he's sort of in that that uh that box you know i keep saying this but there are very few teams that like just need to like sell right now no matter what yeah and if if guys are are uh are under control for at least another year you know not the rays the the royals and mariners they could all just give this another shot at trying to win now themselves yeah i i think my answer for this question probably would have been davis until i saw Um, A a tweet from a tweet from Jason Stark that read an example of deals. The Royals are mulling colon a team that asked about Wade Davis said it was told the Chapman package quote wouldn't get it done. So once you see that you're like yeah this isn't going to happen. That's yeah that's nuts. I mean if somebody offers you the Chapman package and you know you go find another closer. (laughs) Right. All right Michael that's a that's a wrap for today. I'm sure there will be a lot more for everyone on the ringer mlb show rotation to discuss in the coming days and weeks this was uh delightful it's great to be back with you again i'm I'm looking forward to this being the shortest shelf life of any podcast i've ever done it's possible it'll be outdated before we even hit publish but you know what You, you do it for the joy you do it for the art and the love the love of the game or something like that um and i for one am honestly just really glad we're not here talking about an orioles melvin upton trade thank you blue jays thank you 